Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to Arizona Good Business Radio, featuring leaders in the Arizona business community, working to build a lasting impact throughout our state through doing good business. I'm your host, Thomas Barr, Vice President of Business Development at Local First Arizona. We are a statewide organization advocating for and celebrating locally owned businesses, and we're the largest local business coalition in North America. Uh, We provide resources to over 3,000 small businesses and raise awareness of the benefits of building a strong local economy. Today, I am very excited to uh, welcome Stephanie Morales, the program director for Persevere on our show. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. So first podcast ever today, right? Yes. Are we excited? Are we nervous? Are we, what are we feeling? I am excited, nervous, (laughs) all the things. Awesome. (laughs) Well, we're super excited because what we're going to talk about today is a passion of mine, a passion of ours at Local First and something really important. Um, I know that in preparation to bring you on the show today, we had a lot of conversations surrounding how do we encourage more businesses, more small businesses in particular, to think more creatively and outside of the box about how to solve some of the challenges that they've been facing, especially after the pandemic. And I'm looking forward to uh, those listening to hear more about the work that you do at Persevere. So I'd love to start there. What is Persevere and what and what do you do? Yeah, thank you. So Persevere is a national nonprofit. We exist to help folks empower themselves after incarceration. So we are inside of state prisons now in six different states, Arizona being one of them. And we teach a 12-month coding boot camp. And that is six hours a day, Monday through Friday, with instructors in person and remotely to get our folks ready who are in the class to be full-stack web developers upon release. And in addition to that, we have an entire career readiness curriculum that goes over soft skills, helps with social-emotional learning, and then we follow our graduates an entire year after release to Mm. provide case management to make sure that anything that comes up along the way, because there's so many barriers after release, that we can help them navigate it. In addition to that, the biggest piece of what we try to do is connect our graduates with tech jobs outside of prison. That is really the most important component of all of it. If we can't get employment that helps everyone thrive, then, you know, there's really no putting one foot in front of the other in a meaningful way. Tell me a little bit about the inception of the organization. How did Persevere get started in, in doing work in this space? Yeah, so our founder, Sean Hosman, he actually, he has a tech company that he runs. It's called Vantage, and mm. they do provide tools for corrections departments and case management tools, things like that. Years ago, he found himself down a bad path with substance use, and mm. he was arrested, I believe, a dozen times over uh, the course of a short span. And because of that, he not only now is this person who is a leader in, you know, correctional tools, he he found himself on the other side mm-hmm. of this system. He realized in that moment that the reason he was able to go on and still continue to be successful was, number one, he owned his own business, right? So he didn't have to ask a boss, can right. I come back with my right. new criminal record? But also found that tech is a pretty forgiving environment. If you have the skills and you can do the job, it is generally a place for everyone. Um, so that sparked his interest in creating something that could create opportunities for anyone, no matter what your background is. 
and that's where Persevere was born. Here yeah. we are. And when four was, years later. When was oh four years ago? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Persevere in Arizona was 2019, I believe. Okay. Tennessee, that's our first program. I think the Got it. 2018 was their first class. Got it. And you're the program director in Arizona. So what brings you here? What is um, your passion behind um, providing support to these individuals? I came to Persevere three years ago. I had, so my background is social work. Um, mm. I'm a trauma-informed care coach. And so not in corrections, definitely not in, in tech or uh, yeah. workforce development. But I had worked in violence prevention. I did social justice programming for higher education. I worked for the Department of Child Safety. And through my career, a common thread that I saw over and over again was incarceration. Either mm. children's parents being incarcerated, whatever system that people were interacting with, that seemed to be a common theme. And so I started to feel like I wanted to be part of some solution of that. Mm -hmm. I realized that mass incarceration is a huge issue. It disproportionately affects our BIPOC and poor communities, which was largely the the communities I was interacting with on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. I had made up my mind to start working in reentry because I felt like that was going to be my next meaningful work. And a former colleague approached me and said, hey, there's this new startup in Arizona called Persevere. Do you want to you want to do this thing? And yeah, that's here we are. Uh, that's here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how is it going in Arizona? What progress has been had or how many individuals have, have you worked with? How many how many companies are stepping up and saying, yes, we, we you know, we're we're interested in being a part of the solution? So in Arizona, I'll talk about, I guess, you know, our program and then mm -hmm. the employment opportunities separately. But the programming is going exceptionally well. So we're inside four facilities now, three male, one female. We've served hundreds of people. We have graduated, oh gosh, I should probably know that, maybe seven classes at this okay. point. We currently have four consecutive classes going on. And they're 12 months? They're 12 months so That's long. impressive in, since 2019. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's going really, really well. We are seeing great success with our students who graduate. We are placing them into jobs. We have had some really large partners like Forbes, Indeed, mm. Design Pickle. There are folks that have stepped up and created programs specifically for our graduates. Yeah. We have a lot of smaller firms that are bringing on our web developers as junior developers. We have some exciting apprenticeship and internship opportunities. So overall, it's been going well. One thing I do want to mention, which is quite a win, is in our Perryville location, which is is serving currently 21 women in our class. This is our third cohort. Mm -hmm. We are now providing uh, entirely remote education uh, two days a week. This is a new pilot. And I mention this because um, our corrections partner has been extremely supportive in allowing us to do this. But I think what folks don't understand is, you know, incarceration is is trauma, right? Being in that environment is trauma. It's adding on to what could already be a lifetime mm -hmm. of that. So having that remote opportunity to have our instructors completely remote, remote in without correction staff even present most of the day, we're just seeing them absolutely thrive because they yeah. can just walk into that loving, connective classroom themselves, learn for six hours, yeah, and then walk out feeling pretty proud of themselves. So that's our biggest win currently. And yeah, we need more employer engagement, yeah. though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's why we're here is to have this conversation and I think normalize the um, opportunity that businesses have to consider uh, formerly incarcerated individuals as employees. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and that's something that, you know, I mentioned in the beginning is as a passion of 
of us at Local First is humanizing people, right? Yeah. And, and remember that people are first and, and not profit. Partly why we started this show is to promote businesses doing good things. It's great to hear that Design Pickle has been part of the program. They've actually been on the show before. Oh, wow. We had their founder on the show, and then they partner with us on our Arizona Good Business Summit each year. How exciting. They yeah. were our first um, Arizona employer to ever take a chance wow. on one of our folks, actually. That's awesome. Yep. That's really great to hear. That's <laughs> super cool. What are some of the things, so, and I don't know how much of, of this is your role or your team's role, but <clears throat> what are the, some some, how did the conversations go when you're approaching businesses um, to consider this as an opportunity. Are there hesitations that you have to navigate or, I guess, preconceived assumptions um, that you're trying to, um, uh, I guess, just navigate through conversation or through uh, demystifying those, those assumptions as you start to talk to employers? Yeah, absolutely. So generally, you know, the conversation starts you know, we have 2.5 million people incarcerated in this country. Arizona currently has about 45,000 people in our state prisons. We have open, right now, I just recently read a million web developer jobs. So if wow. we're just looking open at right it, now. Mm-hmm, wow. open, vacant. So if we just look at it from a workforce development perspective, right, just even taking out, which I, I never do, but the human element of what we're trying to provide here, we need to be able to hire folks with a record. We have to start hiring folks who have been formerly incarcerated or who have a conviction. Otherwise, we are just not going to have the talent pool that we need. There are several, you know, corrections-focused rehabilitative programs inside of state prisons, this being one of them that I think is doing something that nobody else is doing. Mm -hmm. But we are graduating highly skilled junior developers. They go through a coding boot camp that is just as comprehensive as anyone that you can find on the outside. Mm. And with the wraparound services that we provide, it it is, you know, safe or um, a fail-safe to make sure that we can provide the support that someone needs to be a successful employee. I often find when I'm talking to employers that even though they have a need for web developers, it is the criminal record that worries them. And I think that there is so much stigma that it comes along with that. There's so much misunderstanding. I think when you sit down with someone who has been incarcerated or formerly incarcerated, you realize the things that led to that. Mm. So much of it really, you know, is survival or it's just uh, not having the opportunity that someone needs to make a different decision. Also, there are communities that are disproportionately interacting, you know, with with police every single day. So. So, yes, our people need those opportunities. And I think one thing that I have found is very successful for our employers who are willing to take a chance is, number one, you're not in this alone, right? So we provide not only services to the people that we serve inside of prisons and outside, but to the employers. It can be kind of scary to take a chance on someone new or to not understand what is that really going to entail? Are they going to have to go to parole hearings? Do they have to leave? you know, to go take care of other things? What is really going to be my responsibility if something goes wrong? And there are a lot of things in place to support employers that they Mm -hmm. just don't know how to access. We're happy to help them access that. Mm -hmm. But um, the thing about making sure that you can hire formerly incarcerated folks is this has to become an active activity. It can't be a passive one. So a lot of times we hear Well, our HR policy, you know, it's a blanket statement, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't hire folks who have a conviction. Ban the box, you know, stopped folks from being able to ask that or Mm -hmm. to to check it on a 
but it, it comes up when they run a background check. It absolutely pops up. Yeah. So it has to be a commitment to the social impact that, you know, a lot of companies have on their website or, yeah. you know, they're trying to make a difference. And we can help with that, that active engagement of this community, not just waiting for them to come to you, but choosing to come to those communities and say, we have opportunities and we're ready to help you take advantage of them. Yeah. Is there any data that you rely on um, or that you, you've you been able to gather um, about the success rate or the, I guess, the longevity of the employee after they have been provided an opportunity? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it right now, honestly, is anecdotal. I don't have a lot of numbers that yeah. are um, concrete, and there's not, you know, a lot really out there. To, it sounds to, very like a very new yeah, space. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I will say that just, you know, from our folks that we have placed now into hundreds of different jobs and then other organizations who are adjacently doing work that's similar, uh, very high success rate. And we know the things that that contribute to recidivism, to someone going back to prison, and it is not having access to the things that we need to thrive or to survive, right? Mm -hmm. So then we have to fall back on things that we know that are familiar, that are comfortable, because we all have to put food on the table and a mm -hmm. roof over our head. So we know that we give when we give folks access to an opportunity and to respect and to connection and to love and to a wage that is actually going to provide economic mobility and to help their family change not only, you know, their current life, but generationally, folks don't want to give that up. You know, a lot of things that lead to crime in the first place is just a lack of having access to resources that we all need as humans. So mm -hmm. when we give someone access to that, when we help them co-create an opportunity that feels like it's going to support their well-being and their family's well-being, while I might not have data to show specifically that it is working, we have a lot of data to show what is not working. Sure. So, yeah. So, yeah, we've had great success. Yeah, great point. So <clears throat> I know we're going to be partnering on an event coming up where we are talking about what Persevere does, of course, but also trying to, I guess, break through the noise of some of those assumptions, some of those hesitations that yeah. businesses just generally have. Because I feel and I know that when we started talking, we came together on the fact that in order for whether it's a, a coding job or a tech job or just a general job, we need to be doing a lot of work in partnering, not only us, but but all business associations in normalizing the opportunity. Because um, I know our team is out in the community talking to businesses every single day, trying to help them. Every single one of them is having staffing challenges yeah. and, and is going to continue. Um, it's not something that's just going to go away. And so what are some of your thoughts behind how we can collectively have conversations regarding normalizing this more among the business community, whether you're um, looking to hire front of staff or back house workers or, you know, whatever the role is, what are some of those conversations? How, how do we need to be um, discussing the opportunity right now? I think, uh, number one, we just need to start discussing it. I think that stigmas are able to exist and thrive, and there's so much fear around something when we don't really talk about it. So I think if we start having those conversations, number one, I, I also like to ask, you know, employers to consider whatever it is that you're making up in your head, whatever that conviction was, how does that directly impact that individual's ability to do that job, mm -hmm. whatever job it is today? Mm -hmm. If you cannot articulate a way where, anything that it is that you think could possibly be the conviction would actually impact their ability to do the job, it probably should not even be part of the consideration. Right. I really encourage 
companies to start talking internally about their HR policies and how limiting they are potentially, you know, how punitive and and who are they cutting out of the opportunity simply because someone has to uh, do a background check. What would it look like if your organization or your company didn't do background checks? There's a lot of things that, you know, there, there are industries, education, the medical uh, field, those that require certain things for licensing. Right. Um, I think also as communities, business communities and leaders, we need to start having those conversations, mm-hmm. you know, and engaging who we need to to have policies change because, um, you know, there's really not much to support that if somebody has this conviction and they can no longer work in the field that they're in, that, that that's going to keep our community safer. Yeah. Another conversation that I would love to start having with businesses is, you know, what is safety? And what does that actually mean to us as communities, as leaders? What is economic safety? What is safety for our communities? And generally, that means everybody having access to what they need to have access to. And when we start having those larger conversations about how can we get folks plugged into a job that is going to allow them to live in a place that's safe, to not have to engage in activities that might be harming all of us, we feel that ripple effect in our communities. I think that that is really important. Those are the places that I feel like we should start. And I think that there are really simple, maybe not easy, but simple creative solutions that those conversations would lead us to as a group. And I also think, you know, a company like or an organization like Persevere, we're not telling you to do that alone. There's so much to navigate when you are part of uh, the criminal justice system, when you're navigating post-release, that Mm -hmm. we are happy to coach employers through that and teach them how to, not only with language, how to provide a trauma-informed environment, how to maybe make some policies that support being able to go do those things that someone needs to do when they're on supervision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it can, I mean, I get it. It's intimidating to, to embark on that. And are you, from your perspective, maybe just from a local perspective in Arizona, seeing a shift in mindset, just generally in the community, are more businesses saying, yeah, I'd like to learn more about this? Or is it still kind of a struggle to advance the conversation? I think that I am seeing a shift. Absolutely. There are more organizations or companies that are reaching out to us saying, you know, we heard from this other company that hired one of your folks that they were exceptional. We'd like to do the same. But I think overall, there is still such a hesitancy to engage with this population, mostly just because of being uninformed as to what it is and just archaic practices and yeah. you know, things that haven't progressed. But but no, I think that Arizona is a difficult state to mm-hmm. try to do this progressive work in. I think it's exciting to see the shifts in, in mindset or, or politically or things like that. But we need more community engagement. We need more employer engagement because, you know, a dozen folks doing this meaningful work and hiring our people is just not going to create the dent in in this problem that we need to see. Sure. Obviously, Persevere focuses on a, a specific niche in training and hiring and in the types of jobs that you're looking um, to coach individuals to have. Are there other resources out there, other organizations that you partner with should you come across a business or be working with a business that has other roles that they might be interested in? Or is Persevere planning on doing any additional training or other work um, for maybe roles or jobs or employment opportunities outside of the web development tech space at all? So in Tennessee, yes, we are. We actually are creating lots of different career paths, and that will trickle down to Arizona at some point. That's kind of our starting off point for everything new that we're trying. 
because we realize that we have to diversify. Not everybody wants to be in tech and that's sure. not a good fit for everyone. So right now, though, that is the space that we're occupying in Arizona. I will say, though, that a lot of our folks, they they learn how to code and they have that skill set and then they decide they want to go in a different direction. And sure. so we are also committed to making sure that every single person that graduates our program has employment that's meaningful in whatever space that's in. Mm-hmm. But right now, web development or IT adjacent work is what we're focusing yeah, on. Yeah, it sounds like there's <laughs> there's a lot of work to do just in that <laughs> space before you move on to the next one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to get that down first. Yeah. <laughs> So um, talk to me a little bit about what we're um, going to be doing at the at the workshop that we collaborate on. Um, what is kind of the focus going to be? What what are um, if you're a business interested in potentially coming and learning more? Um, what what would you tell them or what, what can they expect um, in participating in it? I'm very excited about that, too. So we want to have a good education piece. I think that's something or a term that maybe not everyone's familiar with is collateral consequences. And those are the things that our folks experience or anyone who's been incarcerated experiences. That's from, you know, housing to not being able to get a job, not being able to get a license. And and the way that that is felt in an individual's life is really impactful. But we want to show how that is actually impacting communities, how that's impacting the folks that are spending money with your business, how that impacts their economic mobility and paint a picture so that everybody feels invested in that. You know, and then once we have everybody's buy-in, we want to talk about the different incentives that there are on a state level, a federal level for an employer. Sometimes there is more risk or, or businesses feel like they have more risk if they were to take a chance on someone. There are different things in place where they can take a chance on someone who has a record or convictions and they would be protected. So we want to make sure we go through all of that. Mm. We have a couple of different ways to employ folks that is through our dev shop, which is called Banyan Labs. So you can give us projects, you can give us contracts, things like that. And really, we're the intermediary. So you can test this out, see if it's going to work for your company. And there are lots of different ways to do that. We're going to talk about the opportunity of apprenticeships and internships and how that can be beneficial. Hmm. Just a lot of creative ways to you know, I think what feels like taking a chance or doing something a little bit scary uh, and then realizing like, oh, I, I actually just hired, you know, one of the most incredible employees I've ever had. They're yeah. highly skilled and they were such a meaningful addition. And then just being able to replicate that. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like even if you might not be needing to fill a web development role, it would be beneficial to come to just learn about um, the space just in general. Absolutely. I think, you know, in the last couple of years, too, there's just been so much that's highlighted the inequities in our society, right? And to leave the currently incarcerated or formerly incarcerated population out of that conversation would be really be remiss. And I know that a lot of companies are, they're trying to make a social impact. They really do genuinely want to know how to plug into making a difference. And so I think if you are not well-educated in this space, you are missing a huge opportunity, a huge chunk of people who are currently impacted that are still, you know, feeling the ripple effect of that. So I would encourage everybody to, even if you don't need a web developer, learn about this. We will help guide you through how to make a social impact, even if it's not specifically with our folks. There is opportunities to connect with other organizations that are, are doing similar work, that are training in different trades and skills. And yeah, just to learn how maybe you don't even think it's impacting you or or what you're doing on a daily basis, but it's just 
too many people that are impacted by the system for you to not be feeling it in some way that maybe you're not aware of. Right. Absolutely. Well, if you're a business out there and you're like, wow, this is an opportunity I'm interested in learning more about, how could people get in touch with you? They could email me at uh, smorales at perseverenow.org. Our website is perseverenow.org. Those are probably the best ways. Awesome. Cool. And they can just call and have a conversation and learn more about the program? Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We're excited for the workshop, excited to partner more, and excited to elevate this really important opportunity. So. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, We hope that you listening were inspired today, um, listening to a leader working to leave a legacy in Arizona through doing good business. Uh, We'd like to thank our sponsor, Phoenix Business Radio X, for hosting us and all of our legacy partners at Local First Arizona. This is Thomas Barr reminding you that if we want to build a better home, we need to connect deeply with the local businesses that make us proud of it. (laughs) 